Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this part of the service. So good to be here again after not being here last weekend. And it's good to have the youth and everyone back. Uh, good to see you. Uh, looks like, according to the time, that maybe you have all decided that it's Jake's turn to preach again. We better give him some time. Uh, we don't want to miss our lunch. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll try, to, try to not go over time. Uh, this morning, I have titled the message, Embracing Godly Change. And one thing for sure, if there is... One thing that doesn't change outside of God that doesn't change, it is that everything constantly is changing. I'd like to read our scripture this morning. I would like to speak a little bit on Romans 12, the first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present. Your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, change is is something that all of us deal with, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, there is inevitably will be changes in our lives. I, re I remember as I prepared for this, you know, many of you know where I grew up, up here uh, just south east of Wakarusa there. <coughs> and the corner of Conner Road 7 and 119. And my mom's parents lived just half a mile up the road there on that farm on, on the west side of the corner. And I have a lot of memories of, of going there. Remember there being there one time as a four or five-year-old probably, and I was out in the yard playing. I think there were some cousins there, and I don't remember... We might have been playing hide-and-seek, but they had, um, and, and, you know, they didn't have nice big zero turns at that time, and so they were, they had a pretty big patch of yard, I would say, I guess, that wasn't mowed, and so the grass was tall, and they, that grandpa would, he would, uh, different times, he might tie a, he might tie his ram out there, or, or, you know, a, an ox or something like that to keep it mowed off a little bit. But I was out there, I remember being out there, and I was, from what I can, I was hiding, I believe, in, in the long grass. And I just, in my little mind, I remember thinking that this is, this is good. I'm at Grandpa's house, I'm playing with, my siblings and my cousins and 
And this is just really good and secure and peaceful. I, I was just enjoying it. Well, that was 35 years ago, or not quite, but, and today, um, Grandpa and Grandma are gone, and my uncle has raised his family at that property. Uh, he has recently passed early this spring. And the barn, the big barn there that we used to play in, and I worked in there a lot too, actually. I, I put a lot of hay away in that barn as a, as a teenager. And, and so, but, but that barn is gone now, burned in a fire a year or two ago. And life has moved on. There is no going back to that little four-year-old, five-year-old boy playing in the yard and, and just feeling secure and safe and loved. Nothing is just, the world is good. I'm sure that most of us have memories like that. But life has a way of moving on. We, have, we, we grow up, we get responsibilities, and we have decisions to make. Uh, we get married, and we're grateful that the pantry is stocked. And then, you know, life keeps going on, and there's small children, and then your small children start walking and talking and riding bikes and banging their knees and losing teeth and... And maybe we've had a couple boys that had uh, took one of my boys to the hospital or to the doctor one time because he had a stone lodged in his head. Um, I don't think it was quite the size that David used on Goliath, but at that time it seemed it was, you know, it was kind of a big deal. Children get older and your children start getting married. The next thing you know you have grandchildren. Many of you are at that place in life. And for some of you, you have children that are becoming grandparents. And my wife's mom actually is, is a great-grandma. I don't know, are any of you here great-grandparents? Okay, we do have several great-grandparents. I guess I, yeah, I just didn't do the math. Um, but there's all these things that, that change, and of course, those are the, that's the normal course of life. And we have, you know, there's expected, unexpected things that happen. Um, you might, you know, maybe there's a, an illness, or some of us have experienced, you might experience a terminal il illness of a loved one, or some of you have experienced the death of a loved one. And, and those, those things that throw changes at us that we're, we're not expecting, and, and we struggle, we... Now, now what do we do, and how do we deal with this, and, and it's, it's difficult. And sometimes, at different times, we might wake up and we, we recognize that we have, we have somehow our relationship with God has, has changed, and maybe we, we find ourselves distant from God. And we wonder what has changed. Those subtle changes that we don't see coming until all of a sudden we realize that something has changed. Or maybe, maybe it's the other way. You look back at your life and you, 
you see where you once were. And God in his, his great mercy has moved you and has changed you into a different person. So this morning I would like to attempt to give us, to, to speak on that and to, to learn from this passage here in, in Romans. I'd like, to, I'd like to lay a little bit of a, of a groundwork before we look at this passage more. There's a few other passages we're going to look at. A couple presuppositions that help us to deal and to understand change. The first one is simply this, that we either are or we once were slaves of sin leading unto death. All of us either are, if we haven't accepted Jesus yet, or we were slaves in the kingdom of darkness. Number two is that Jesus has paid the ransom for us in order to restore us again into him. Into him. And remember, remember the definition of ransom. Ransom, Jesus became sin for us. He, he became what we were in order that we might have life. He died in order that we might have life. The third thing is, if we believe him, we become a part of his kingdom. I'm going to talk a little later about the obey in there. But these presuppositions help us, help me anyway, to understand what happens, um, how to deal with change. If, if we don't understand these, the basics, life is going to be rough. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago when I flew to Florida with Daryl on the flight back, I was sitting five or six rows back from the front and the lady in the front seat, I, we, were, we were coming into Indy and we were beginning to um, descend and she, all, the whole duration of the trip, she had been wearing these um, really cool looking Beats headphones. I don't have any, but, um, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but all of a sudden, as we began to, to descend, she obviously had some pain in her ears. And which, the significant thing was how she responded. She was in the front seat, and I don't know how far back, but I think the whole plane knew that this lady had some problems. Uh, very vocal about it, and crying, and it was, you know, I'm, I was almost a little embarrassed how, about how she's, and the flight attendants were very professional, and they, they helped her, and after a while she calmed back down. But um, something seemed to be missing in her life. Uh, she didn't deal very well with change, with, with the pain. With, uh, it was uh, a little awkward. <clears throat> so it helps to have a foundation for us on which we can build on or which we can rest on, 
when we, when we consider these things that change in our life. Of course, a part of that is, obviously, God doesn't change. This is a, a we all understand that, we all know that. Um, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in, in chapter 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And James writes about that when he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no change. Of course, we also know that um, you know, Revelations talks about him being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is from, from everlasting unto everlasting. He is the I Am. There is no change. So, this somewhat begs the question, if God is a God of, if, if God doesn't change, then where does all the change come from? How do we, how do we then deal with, with the change? What I've laid out to you so far is, is fairly, uh, fairly common Christian theology. We believe in, in Jesus. We believe that being a Christian is, is vital to working, to, to processing change in our lives. But I would, like to, I would like to take it a little bit deeper than that and to, to see how God has intended for us to be changed. I'd like to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Verse 28, we know that's a fairly familiar verse. I believe it is often used a little bit out of context because uh, I believe the, the rest of that chapter and, and, and for sure uh, verse 29 give it some additional uh, context. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the first thing I'd like to notice is that it is God's design. God has planned it. He has predestined it that we will be changed. You see, we were, the first, the first presupposition that I laid out is that we were in the bondage of darkness. We were slaves of sin leading unto death. So it is God's plan that if we are moved from that, that there will be changes in our lives. The second thing in this passage is that not only are we changed, but we are changed, we are conformed into the image of his Son. It says that he, speaking of Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we are being changed into the image of his son. The Greek word for conform there is somorphos, and it 
means to be jointly formed or to, 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 be, to be connected. We are connected, joined with Jesus Christ. Now, some might argue that that happens when you become born again. And I believe that that is true. But that is only the beginning. You see, being changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ is not a one-time and once-and-done-for deal. The, that is a, a, a doctrine or a teaching that has become, maybe subtly become prevalent in our Western Christianity that you receive Jesus as your Savior and then you are a Christian. But that's often where, where it stops. <clears throat> you see, if that, that idea that we can, we can identify as Christians because we have at one time in our life asked Jesus to, to come into our life, that idea that there is nothing that how we live my how i live my life today is disconnected from that that is a a false idea because it disconnects how i live today with the eternal reward i would like to look at a few verses in john to give us an idea a uh, very common verse here verses and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, this is in the dialogue that Nicodemus and Jesus had. Um, very familiar passage. The problem is the, the English word believe does not carry the same meaning or the identical meaning maybe to the Greek word that is used in, in that place. The Greek word is pastil and it carries the, the first definition of that Greek word is to have faith. And so if you believe, if you have faith, if, when, if you read that in the Greek, when, when the original readers read this, they got more of an idea of, of being obedient or of following after. Um, or there was, there was more action connected to it than our simple word, believe. Uh, to give you an example of that, we had a little bit of a discussion this morning in the instruction class on this, and Jason used the example of if, if you say that, um, you know, it looks like it might frost tonight. I, I really believe it's going to frost tonight, but you don't go out and cover your strawberries. Do you really believe that there will be a frost? You see... It's easy for us to use that word in saying that we believe something. We, we use it 
in the English language, it actually sometimes has somewhat of a, of a two different meanings, meaning that if I really believe that it will frost, I'll, I will go out and do what needs to be done. I can also use that same word to say that I do believe that at one time there was a man on the moon. They did that. I believe that. It's easy to say that because there's no action required. If there was action required, I might reconsider how well I say that. So you see, it is easy in our culture today to see that I believe on Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, John says that again at the end of that chapter, verse 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So what, what they were saying here is that he who obeys him or he who has faith in him, and we know what faith, if there is no action, then there is no faith. James says that thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, faith will result, if you have faith that it, it will frost tonight, you will go out and cover your strawberries. Jesus also speaks about that, about being obedient to him. John 14, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The epistle, the, John writes about that in his epistles as well. Uh, now, by this we know that we know him. This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. He's, it's, it's just like the man that says, I believe it will frost tonight. And then he doesn't go out and cover his strawberries. He didn't believe it's going to frost. He wasn't motivated to any action. The misuse of this word has led us to a passive Christianity that does not cultivate growth or change. There's, there's simply no motivation for me to change. As most of you know, uh, Daryl is at Teen Mission International, and he's having a great time. We, we just uh, had a couple letters from, from him again this week, and one of the things he mentioned is about where he might go next year. So, obviously having fun. Um, but as I, have, as I have interacted with that organization and just watched what's taking place there, I, I was uh, again reminded of, of our, um, our tendency maybe as American Christians to, to we, we present the gospel to someone, we, we meet with someone, um, and we talk with them a little bit, and in a 15-minute, 20-minute, 30-minute conversation, we can 
lead them to Christ. And we get them to pray the sinner's prayer, and we have a new Christian. Now, we probably should do more of that. However, I would like for us to also see, see us staying in contact with that person because if we simply get them to accept an idea and there is no further instruction or discipleship, we really have done them an injustice because they believe now that they have received eternal life. But if there is no further discipleship and no further fruits, they really are deceived people. I'd like to turn back now to Romans. First two verses there in chapter 12. A couple things to notice here again in, in, the, in verse 2. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. That Greek word literally is the root word where we get the word metamorphos, which we use to describe what happens when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It, it, is, it is something that... It, it transforms, it, it changes into a different nature. It changes natures. It is still the same substance, it's still the same thing, and yet it is a different nature. It is now no longer a worm, it is an insect that flies. Several things I'd like to learn from this passage... Paul is simply asking us to have some perspective. In the first verse, he says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, because of what he has already taught in this book of Romans, by the mercies of God, he's saying, because of what I have taught you about the mercies of God, because God has been merciful, this is, this is how, you, how you should view your relationship with God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We are not our own. Because of what God has, has done for us, so he's saying when we, as we live our lives, keep this in mind, because of God's mercy for you, he has, he has bought you back, redeemed you from the bondage of sin, and has placed you into the kingdom of his dear son. So as you live your lives, remember that you are bought with a price and you are not your own. That's what he writes to the Corinthians. So, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Now, he's literally talking about our physical bodies here. How we live our lives. It is important that we recognize that 
living in a relationship with Jesus Christ is not something that happens one time in your life, back whenever. That's a crucial part. But it continues, if you have a relationship, it continues, and how you live your life today is, is vital to maintaining that relationship. He says, which is your reasonable service? That, that should be expected. Think about it this way. If you were in prison, you are locked up, you are in bondage, and out of the goodness of my heart, I come and I pay the ransom, or I bail you out, or, or whatever. What would, be, what would your response be? Well, you would be indebted to me you would naturally feel as if you should try to do something to, to honor me or to show me the appreciation that you have for what I have done for you. Well, that's exactly where we were. And remember, we deserved it. It's not like we were unjustly slaves to sin leading unto death. So what should our response be? How should we live our lives so that we show honor and respect to, to God who has paid our ransom? <clears throat> Going on into verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, which goes right with what we've just been talking about, how, what, 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 what worldview or what is it that drives the decisions that I make? He says, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So by the renewing of your mind, the, he, that's perspective. Do you see what Jesus has done for you? Operate out of the decisions you make, make those from the perspective of what Jesus has done for you in your life. This is not something that automatically happens when you become a Christian and it will always, that you, now all of a sudden you have a, a different perspective. Yes, that's the beginning, but we can choose with our minds logically to know where we have been what Jesus has done for us, and it's out of that that we make decisions, not based on, on how we feel about where we have been, or it's not that we, when we become a new Christian, that we now expect to all of a sudden feel different about what we do, or how we dress, or how we wear. It's decisions that we make in our mind, because of what Jesus has done for us. Then he goes on to say, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is, this is how people will know what has taken place in our lives because of the changed 
perspective, the renewed mind that we are now operating from. So in, in relating and in, in thinking of change, I'd like to, I'd like to exhort us to, to think when we change something, is it simply because it is more convenient or it feels better or is it because somebody that I work with does it or is it because some friends I know do it or have it or wear it or whatever or is it am I making a decision because of what Jesus has done for me from that perspective does it draw me closer does it honor does it bring honor to the king that has paid my ransom If there are decisions to be made, we really have only two choices on how we change something in our lives. Does it honor God or does it not honor God? Or does it draw attention to myself? Lastly, I'd like to give us some encouragement in, in, in closing. Change is difficult sometimes, and, and sometimes we, we cringe at, at some of these changes that come in life, and, and even though we, we know uh, that they are good, that God has desired it, um, I had to think of Levon and Beth. Um, big change, big change for Martha especially, uh, change for us here at the, at, in our congregation, um, big change for Levon and Beth, but we are confident that their going will be honorable to God because we know that it is his will to reach all people. And so we, can, we, we, we embrace that change even though it, it is difficult sometimes. Um, and I'd like to encourage us going forward as a congregation. There will be more changes like that. As, as, we, as, we, as our families get older and as our pews become fuller, there will be changes that might seem difficult and uncomfortable. But we can, we can rest assured that if God continues to work, there will continue to be changes because that's how God works. If we read, if we read through Acts and we see how the church grew in Acts, how comfortable and how secure was some of that when they added thousands of people. And so I'm confident that if, if God continues to work in our midst and we continue to follow his instructions and teachings, that God will continue to grow our congregation. That will bring change. 
I'm confident also that because, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can rest assured and we can trust in Him that those changes, whatever they may be, maybe there's something personal in your life, uh, we, can trust, we can trust God that He will, that those changes will bring us into a closer deeper relationship with him. I'd like to pause for prayer and then Keith, I'll let you close. Father, we thank you so much that you are good to us. We thank you, Father, that you are a God that never changes. We thank you, Lord, that you desire for us to change, that that we can become closer to you. We, we desire, Lord, that our actions, that who we are as people would, would, would show evidence in our lives of you working in our hearts. Just pray that as we go from here, your will, your, your grace would be accomplished, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.